getting there after today. Today, our scripture reading comes from Luke 11, verse 37 through 54. Remind you, this is the word of the Lord. Hear it with careful appreciation and attention. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish. But inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also. For you load people with burdens hard to bear. And you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you. For you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they kill them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary, yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things. Lying in wait for him to catch him in something 
he might save. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God abides forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And we pray in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Well, as we saw last week, if you were here, many of the religious leaders, some of those we're going to be uh, in the text, of course, today talking about, but some of the religious leaders of the day had become more and more suspicious of our Lord Jesus Christ and his agenda. And there were others that were kind of trying to sit on the fence. They were kind of trying to hold their place and see how things were going to fall out before they decided whether or not they should follow Jesus for the long haul and earnestly. Now, we know what happened. <laughs> After generically exposing his critics and those who wanted to sit on the fence, it was lunchtime because Jesus did that last week, okay? He basically summarily dealt with both groups, and now it's lunchtime. And surprisingly, Jesus gets an invite. He gets an invite to the home of one of the Pharisees, one of the respected religious leaders of his day. Though not expected, so far so good. I mean, after all, he did get invited. Maybe they were getting a change of heart or of tune somehow, wanting to actually hear Jesus teach. And Jesus wasn't going to turn down an opportunity to do that, certainly in a place like that, in the Pharisees' home. But things kind of went off the rails very quickly. Because as soon as Jesus assumed the position, and I won't assume it for you here, but basically I'd have to lean over, fall over on my left arm, and lay out horizontally, uh, and then eat my food this way. When it was time for Jesus to wash up for dinner, he didn't. He didn't wash up. He went just right by it. And the Pharisees and his host was just flabbergasted. He couldn't believe that Jesus would do that. I mean, didn't your mother teach you that you need to wash up before dinner? Well, as you're going to see, that's not the kind of washing we're talking about. But you see,
the host had what we could call scruples. <laughs> he, they could, we could call them scruples, uh, to say the least, about Jesus' table manners. But this was a dinner with intent. Purposeful intent. This didn't just happen that, oh, there's Jesus. Oh, yeah, grab him and grab a few more. And let's... No, no. They wanted him in their midst. They wanted to be able to further accuse him and to try to trip him up. And yet Jesus walked right into it intentionally. And they were trying to trip him up, as I said. But the manner of table manners is not really what's at play here. This is talking about what, when he said he didn't wash, that was talking about ritual cleanliness practices. Ritual cleanliness practices. That had been part of the Jewish mind and for hundreds of years at that point in time. And because of that, I'm going to basically give you an excursus. Now, if you're wondering what an excursus is, <laughs> that's a detour. <laughs> that's, that's a parenthesis, kind of breaking from what's going down, the pattern, the flow of this. Stop and look at something that sheds light and gives some help to us. An excursus on ceremonial washings. Now, think back to the time in which the southern kingdom had been carried off in captivity to Babylon. You've heard of the Babylonian captivity. That happened in 586 B.C. And for all of the, the devout Jews that had been carried off into this strange land, they tried to find ways in which they could somehow honor and keep and hold up the law of Moses. And to do that, they needed to have people that would write that down. If they could get copies to write it down and, and be the keepers of that. As they tried to express their worship in relevant ways. And as they did that, the people they turned to are these guys that now we refer to as the scribes. Or sometimes teachers of the law. But the scribes, for our purposes this morning, were those who copied and preserved God's written word. Now you say, well, that's a good thing. Yeah, it was. Good thing, important thing to do. But as time went on, the law kind of began to grow legs and kind of got to the point where it wasn't the law that was being followed. It was a bunch of glosses and a bunch of additional stuff that was put on in place of or over the top of to where the law was getting buried. You see, as time went on, guidelines became tradition. And tradition 
came to have the force of law. And it got to, by the time Jesus arrived, few could distinguish between the tradition of the elders and the law of God, Torah. They, they, they didn't have the wherewithal because it wasn't in their hands. The scribes were the keepers. As we'll see, they weren't doing a lot to help the people know the word of God better. And so in the first century, pious Jews washed their hands. But you know how they did it? They didn't do like we do at the you know, spigot and you know, do that. They didn't do it like that. Pious Jews washed their hands not for hygiene, but for ceremonial purification. And there was a special way they had come up with how to do it. Like I say, they didn't do this. They didn't do this. They had water that would be poured on their hands down to the wrist. And if, and it was an elaborate ceremony, there were all kinds of stuff. This, this was not just a quick wash. They had to make sure, and if, it, if any of it did not get completely down to the wrist, you had to rinse and repeat, do it all over again. It wasn't good. So they would do it, and it was those kinds of things and many, many others that were standing in the way of what Jesus was trying to say about his father's law and about his intent. And these guys were mucking it up and putting all kinds of obstacles in the way. So today's outline has two points. The hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the evil of the scribes. The hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the evil of the scribes. Let's look at the Pharisees. When Jesus saw his host in slack jaw reaction to his not washing his hands the right way or at all, he said, since you're on the topic of cleanliness, cleanliness. This is Jesus now speaking. The 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 the, the uh, host was just dumbfounded. Probably didn't know what to say. He said, "Hey, I know how what, I know what y'all do, and you think's important. But while we're on the subject of cleanliness, I've got an observation for you. You guys are like a cup that is clean." On the outside, spick and span, completely beautiful and clean. But he said, on the inside, you are filthy with extortion and wickedness on the inside. He was basically turning the, the objects of cups and saucers and things... He was saying, that's you guys' hearts. You are full. You look so good on the outside, but you're rotten 
to the core. You're extortionist and you're wicked. Jesus' scathing condemnation, uh, <laughs> condemnation, look at the right words right there. Uh, Jesus' scathing condemnation is impossible to miss. I mean, again, they, they just can't believe what he's saying to them. And he says, they got everything inside out. He says to them, they look good on the outside, but they're really just pretentious, pretentious hypocrites. And then Jesus unleashes six woes on the Pharisees first and then on the scribes. And the first three, of course, were directed at the Pharisees, and the last three at the scribes. Now, what is a woe? What is a woe? It's not, whoa, whoa, Nelly. It's not, you know, it's not wagon train or something like that pulling up on the reins. That's not the kind of woe we're talking about. We're talking about a statement regarding judgment that brings judgment. Twice before, already in Luke's account that we've been studying through. Twice before, Luke records warnings from Jesus in the form of woes. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Woe to you, Chorazin. Remember in the, up in the uh, area of the upper Galilee? Jesus was declaring woes. He did it twice up to this point in time. And a woe is simply a cry for God's justice to be done. What should be done should be done justly in light of an action that deserves a divine response. In other words, it's a way of, if, to say woe. It's not just an expression like, oh, woe is me, woe is you. No, no, it is a divine response. This matter, these matters, this person deserves a just judgment. And so that Jesus is foretelling, if you will, that a just judgment is coming upon the generation of woe. That's in our text title this morning. Twice a woe Jesus uh, excuse me, Jesus judged the Pharisees guilty on three counts. So he says here's why I say woe, woe, woe to you on three counts. They were meticulous in giving tithes and they, but they failed to ensure justice was served, and they failed to show the love of God. In other words, they were really good on the really small pedantic stuff. They were real, very sticklers. But when it came to the stuff that really mattered, they had no love for God and no heart for his people that were in need. Secondly, 
The second woe Jesus gave, the Pharisees paraded themselves in self-righteousness, and they sought to sit in the best seats because they wanted to be honored. They were pretentious. They were arrogant. They were selfish. And Jesus said, woe to you, Pharisees. And then the third woe, Jesus said that the Pharisees were like unmarked graves. Today, we don't have that same tradition. But you, in that time, you did not want to step on an unmarked grave. Could be dangerous physically <laughs> if you fell in. But it was also, it would make you ceremonially unclean if you stepped on an unmarked grave. And Jesus is saying, You're, you guys are like unmarked graves. You can't see it, but it's deadly, the effect. God's law declared that a person who stepped on a grave had been defiled. And Jesus is saying, you guys are essentially deadly people that are supposed to be serving God and his people, and yet you are something that is an, a judgment, a, a terrible response. You are deadly in your doings. And then Jesus changes the subject for just a few moments. He's already now hit the Pharisees with three woes. Now we look at the evil of the scribes. Jesus had left the hapless, hapless Pharisees speechless. Again, he did it already. And then now after he's laid all this stuff on the Pharisees, he's just pummeling them. There's the teachers of the law, the scribes, and they're just like, I can't believe this. This rabbi is, is just absolutely taking them to the woodshed. So one of them decides, I'm going to put this guy in his place, remind him of who we are. I mean, the Pharisees are, you know, pretty, pretty upstanding in our system, but we're the scribes. We're the teachers of the law. We're the top of the food chain. He surely won't treat us like that. So, in their hapless, speechless condition, this scribe decides to take the bait, and he told Jesus, if you say such things, you insult us also. Now, he could have his feelings hurt, right? Today, that's the most important thing. It seems like the, and to make sure we don't do anything to hurt somebody's feelings. Whether it's right or wrong, we still, we just don't, we don't, we don't want, we're told we can't do that. This guy's feelings weren't hurt. 
in any shape, form, or fashion. His feelings were not hurt. This is a warning to Jesus. This is a warning to our Savior. He is saying to them, if you take on one of us, you take on all of us. How do you like that, Rabbi? What are you going to do with that? But Jesus didn't flinch. He said, oh, woe to you lawyers, too. Woe to you also, because I'm going to put you in this same back bag and even further down than the Pharisees. You are worse than them. And by the way, did you know that? Most, the Fer- we, we talk a lot about the Pharisees, and they did a lot of things that were not good. They did some things that were, were okay. But it was the scribes, the teachers of the law, that as things got uglier and uglier on the road that we're on, they are the ones who had the greatest animosity and hatred for Jesus. They all were in it together, but they were ringleaders. So, they said, take on one, take on all. But Jesus says, I got three more woes for you guys. The Pharisees got theirs already. I'm now going to tell you yours. First, they had made, Jesus said, their business to formulate excessive laws which they piled on top of the laws of God that were given through Moses. In other words, they had the laws of Moses had been a functionally, effectively eclipsed. And we were getting the teachings of the scribes. We were getting their version of the law of God, but it was really the opinion of the elders. It was not enough that they didn't keep the law themselves. That's the other thing. They made this system, and then they didn't keep it themselves, but then they turned around and made other people Live under it with its rules and regulations. It was not enough that they didn't keep the law themselves, but they burdened the people of God with their tradition of the elders, which they called the law of God. Jesus then turned to another point, another woe. Jesus points out that the scribes took it upon themselves to build the tomb of the prophets. This was, a, this was a work project that they had taken with all their money and, and whatever to be able to show the people how they were guarding and appreciating the history and the uh, greatness of the prophets that were before them. After all, they were so perfectly uh, appropriate to be on the same level as them. But Jesus said, 
this was nothing more than ostentatious show of piety. They were trying to say, look at us. Look at us. Look at what we're building to have people appreciate the legacy. So, Jesus points out that their forefathers were the reason that they had to build such a thing. In other words, they were murderers. They were opposed to the true prophets of God. Jesus called them out and said, your ancestors were, had a murderous hearts like, like Cain. It was your ancestors who killed these great prophets that you now, quote, supposedly honor. And then the third woe that Jesus gave, he accused the scribes of removing the key of knowledge. And what is the key of knowledge? The key of knowledge is the word of God. He said, again, you have effectively taken the word of God off the playing field. You have not made it available to anyone. But for more of your machinations and your opinions, you've glossed it on top. And the word of God is no longer. There's a famine in the land. And the word of God has been eclipsed. He says, woe to you. Through their teaching, the scribes had made the key inaccessible to the masses. They did not use it for themselves, as I said already, and they even made it more difficult for those who were seeking to enter. Those people that were wanting to be closer to God, to have closer fellowship with their God, to read his book. They didn't have access. It wasn't given to them. And they were unwilling to help. They were keepers of the law, but not dispensers of God's word. You know what an epilogue is? Okay? That's the uh, ending. In this showdown that we've seen in our text today, it ends with two verses. And as he went from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him and to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something that he might say. You see, the dinner at the Pharisee's house ended with the Pharisees and the scribes, the experts of the law, in a state of rage. They were blowing their minds. They could not believe they had been so mastered by the master. They couldn't they couldn't comprehend, and they were having a fit over what Jesus had done to them. 
But you know what? They were the ones that were had for dinner. <laughs> See, they were inviting Jesus to come be a part of their shakedown, of their taking him down. Jesus is the one that had them for dinner, so to speak. The air was tense as they rolled out their accusations and their questions designed to trip up Jesus. But their quiver, their, their magazine was not, had, was exhausted at that point in time. And it only just made them more and more furious. And remember, I've told you before, they were strange bedfellows anyway. They normally and originally, they'd like to keep to themselves. And they only needed, wanted to use one another when it was beneficial for mutual purposes. But they had now, Luke had already told us, they had started coming together as Jesus began his road toward Jerusalem. And it's only going to intensify. Strange bedfellows had come together for a common cause. And what a generation of woes they were. And as a result, Jesus has already told us last week. He's already told us that judgment is coming down on this generation. Their generation. These very ones. Jesus is saying the just train of God's judgment is coming. And it's already left the station. And it's going to roll, steamroll you. Because you are evil you are wicked and of course that only incited their bloodlust even more and this will go on this is what's amazing this is 12 we're about to hit 12 there are many more things that are going to happen as Jesus moves closer and closer to the purpose for which he came. Stay tuned as the plot thickens. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, when we see it in the face of those who had so much given and had squandered through selfishness and evil, and your son told of the just judgment that would come. And Father, we know that we too are evil. And we thank you that there's only one way that we can overcome the wrath to come. It's because that your son came and ultimately gave up his life and died so that we, the guilty, might go free. Lord, as we come to the table today now, Feed us spiritually. Remind us of what you did and your love for us. And Father, may we share that with others. All to your glory and praise in Jesus' name.